Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Flow Space podcast. I am Ashley, and we're at To Be Frank. Um, really awesome place. You know, they kept going throughout all of COVID. They adjusted, people coming through. Um, lots of cool folks come through here, get some bespoke cocktails and cool bottles, awesome artwork, um, really cool vibes. So they are up and running again now after COVID. So come and have some drinks here and spend some money. Good. My guest today is uh, the lovely Kim Cardner. We had her back again the first time we were talking about more sort of lockdown related things and relationships and now I want to know a little bit more about her and her relationship with sports and the mind and the body so yeah I hope you guys enjoy it hi Kim hi <laughs> how you doing thanks for coming back not bad not bad yeah just uh adjusting I guess to life as things become more and more normal here in Hong Kong the real world is activated again yeah yeah and it kind of feels like nothing ever happened in some ways um yeah i mean it's the great adaptation right it's thinking about how do you adapt to the time and then where yeah it's big question marks especially as you're a hong kong local as well yeah right um, yeah so it's just an evolving relationship with the city that we call home mm-hmm. and i mean it's not been a great easy year for Hong Kong at all in any way. No. <laughs> but that being said, we're sort of, or what are we, most resilient economy in yeah. the world. Like so. USCMP. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, I guess, a good thing. I think it was in Asia. Oh. Uh, so we're like number one in Asia, but and then I think Denmark and Switzerland. Ah, uh, okay. Switzerland, that's where all the money is. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we pay to be the most resilient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to make us the most resilient, otherwise you do not have an economy. Yeah. 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 But I guess yeah, good. It is kind of weird that how quickly life has resumed. Mm -hmm. um, like friends of mine that are back in the office are like all the work that we were expected to do that didn't exist on lockdown we're now expected to do back in the office that mm. still doesn't really exist because the rest of the world is slowed down yeah so it's a yeah. hell of a lot of pressure i think from for everyone it, yep yeah yep. but um <laughs> we were talking about some really interesting stuff when you got in about introverts and extroverts mm -hmm. um do you want to yeah. recap on recap that one that. yeah i thought that was really cool um so yes a lot of people think of personality traits as something that, that they, like they just are or something that's developed over time but a lot of these personality traits are especially like the big five are um, innate within us and mm. when we look at longitudinal studies so there's are studies that are done um, long ways yeah okay. <laughs> across the long ways of, over across a period of time so like usually years they've got done some really interesting longitudinal studies word of the day uh, on twins to look at the difference of like nature and nurture, oh, see like cool. what is genetic predisposition and what's the power of the environment. Mm. But um, in terms of introverts and extroverts, they're looking at like sound levels that we're comfortable with. Mm. And, and so when babies would start crying or when babies would like have joy, and they found that extroverted babies needed more sound input mm. to feel the same levels of joy or stress that an introverted baby does. Mm. So like, and then when they followed up 
or that they just looked at these like babies a couple of months old, like, like a year old, then followed up when they were like five, ten years old, mm. and they could see that these personality traits, like, oh, it was the extroverted babies that needed more music to get that same kind of feedback. Right. Whereas introverted babies just needed low levels of music. Yeah. And for me, it's when I watch TV with my introverted sister, who's like, Kim, it's too loud. <laughs> I'm like, it sounds better loud. <laughs> That's funny that you say that, because I'm a, can you turn it down, please, person, mm. when it is like... You know, you have to sort of be this far away from the speaker to hear what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you sort of put yourself then on the on the scales of introvert, extrovert? Yeah, I'm very much an extrovert. Um, I tried to be an introvert like in college and after college because I felt that there was something so mysterious and sexy mm. about like introverts and now I'm at the point where I'm like well this is who I'm an extrovert I, I'm a people person I love being social obviously I like need that time to recharge that we're talking about as well but after a certain amount of time I get itchy I'm like I need my people I need to like reconnect um obviously with good quality people not yeah. just anyone selective uh, crew <laughs> <laughs> um yeah high quality connection very important yeah. uh but yeah, definitely more of an extrovert. And just like, I love, something I've realized that I love doing as well as connecting people mm-hmm. and like bringing people together that I'm like, oh, I wonder like how, how they'll click. Cause I really like this about this person and this about this person. I wonder how they'll, they'll gel. Mm. So yeah, embracing that in my, my personal life. Yeah, I love that. I also love like connecting people and seeing people like meet over their passions and mm-hmm. whatnot and then you're like oh yay new friends yeah. <laughs> awesome. but sometimes I notice I get a little bit like jealous if they become closer friends <laughs> like, oh okay I was like Kim this is what we my initial reaction is like ego right like yeah. oh they're my friends I'm like well how lovely that they're now they met Just through jump me in. but do you remember that time <laughs> where we did this <laughs> don't forget me <laughs> when did you sort of realize that um that you were extroverted over introverted um, I definitely started to embrace it and, and be very, very much more aware of it. I'd say within the last five years, because mm-hmm. I feel like I tr- um, spent a lot of my early 20s or like trying to um, be something mysterious and be something mm-hmm. like that. An and enigma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or even when I went to college, I had like a best friend in high school. And then there were times where I'd be in socially confusing situations in college, like we all were. And I'd be like, oh, like, what would she do in this kind of situation? Mm. And I wasn't even comfortable mm. making my... I was like, oh, well, she's, she was always really cool. Yeah. So I'll model my behavior after her because you. she was really socially accepted. Yeah. Right. And then that's really interesting. I have, I reckon there's so many people out there that would never like say or, or would have a really hard time saying that they have thought this because I know that I've definitely been like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people that I didn't even know personally, <laughs> I thought, oh, they're cool. I'm going to sort of just do what they do. Yeah. And then I'll also be cool as well. Doesn't work like that, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> it just brings up insecurity and yeah. paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does bring up a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I want to go back introvert, extrovert, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, um, I mean, you, you've done jujitsu for a while. So yeah, since 2013. Yeah, you were the first female MMA fight to take place in Hong Kong. With yeah, Trisha. I was. Yeah, but it makes me wonder, because... You know, and, and you know, in the gyms, you get people that are both extroverted and introverted. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder what character traits that they share to encourage them to do a sport like this. Because in my mind, 
MMA, jiu-jitsu, they're kind of extroverted sports because you have to put yourself out there, but at the same time, they're not. Yeah. So what would your take be on this? Hmm? Um, yes, I'd say where everyone's, you can be an extrovert with introverted qualities, mm -hmm. right? And I like to think of everyone as an elastic band, right? So let's say you're an extrovert. So I'm an extrovert, right? So I'm an, I'm an elastic band extrovert, but I can be put into scenarios that stretch me and bring out introversion, mm. right? But I, at the, but when that environment is taken away and that elastic band snaps back, I'm back to being an extrovert. Mm. So that's how I think about it. So we all possess certain qualities, like no one likes to be with all the yeah. people all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, that's mania. And introversion <laughs> all the time is serious depression, Yeah, right? So it's, um, we all exist within, within that continuum. But I think it's, yeah, a sport like sports, uh, the sporting world of MMA and especially like jujitsu or if you're a competitive fighter, there's that weird like apex part, which is a competition that's mm. very um, visual, mm. right? And like people see a lot of it and it's, you're in the limelight a lot for a, the tip of the iceberg. Mm. But the foundation of, especially if, again, if you're a competitor and building up like the training, the nutrition is extremely socially isolating. Mm -hmm. You don't really get to exist in the realm that everyone else does. Mm -hmm. And I remember like training for fights and here in Hong Kong, there'd be like social events because I feel like and go to them because you got a drink, you got to stay yeah. out late. Yeah, yeah. and um, I feel, oh, I, and I also feel like your social calendar in Hong Kong exists mostly of you saying no to things mm -hmm. because like there's just cool things happening here all the time. People are so busy looking to connect. I stop getting invited to things because I say no all the time. <laughs> People just can't deal with your rejection. Yeah, oh. it's too much for them. They're like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So you say no to these, and I, I remember people being like, "Oh, Kim, like, how do you, like." don't you want to come in this junk? I was like, no, like, I'm not even interested. Because I had such, um, those like horse blinders on mm -hmm. with like one goal, one goal only. And I was so determined. So I feel like when you're very aligned to what your goals are and what mm -hmm. you're looking to do, you have that kind of tunnel vision, mm. right? But sometimes when you're taken out of that, you're like, oh, I made so much sacrifice at that mm -hmm. time for that. Like that was actually really stressful, but you didn't, I didn't see it stressful at, at the time. Mm. Um, so I think the environment brings out certain qualities in you. Mm. And so I think, and also the culture of each MMA gym is very, very different as well. Yeah, and it yeah. depends who the black belt is and who the people are there that ki that cr culture is created by people, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of these gyms do have, when they have a good leadership, it's like a top-down approach, right? It, it, I, people look up to your coach or the way yeah. that they sort of handle disputes, the way that they handle... I guess any other problems that you get in the gym. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. I always say, if, I'm like, if there's no, I was like, if there's no drama, we're not really doing jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Oh gosh, I stay out of gym drama for the most things. Uh, I have. Part. So you're, I, you're just in the peanut gallery watching it happen? Yeah, I'm sort of that person, like, just watching over the fence. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. <laughs> but, but of course, right, like, you you get into MMA and you're, you're giving 110%, right, mm -hmm. with whatever you do. And so it almost feels in this sport that you're living by your ethical and your value code. So when someone comes into conflict with that, it, it feels deeply personal. Mm. Right? It's like, how do you not understand what we're trying to do here? <laughs> right? And so yeah. you see a lot of these, like, head-to-head -head conflicts, and that's why mm. you see so many people then just, like, leave gyms, right? And they, they just can't handle it anymore mm. with that conflict again feels like such a personal attack um but yeah and it's because in jiu-jitsu in particular with the belt ranking 
it's a very clear pyramid, mm. right? And it's yeah. um, strongest shape in the world, right? Yeah. The Egyptians knew. And um, so you have your black belt at the top, and that's the person who is really setting the precedent mm. for the rest of the organization. How did you arrive at jiu-jitsu? Like, what kind of got you around to it in the first place? Yeah, so I'd, um, I'd done boxing in high school, yeah. and I had an amateur fight when I was, like, 16. Oh, which nice. Is, yeah. <laughs> There's some funny pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was such an awkward teenager. Um, and then... I played rugby at university, and then when I came back to Hong Kong, it was just too hot to do outdoor sports, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so humid now, cannot. Yeah, and I, had, I had a friend working at an MMA gym, and she was like, hey, I've got some family and friend membership deals. Like, do you want to come join oh, my nice. gym? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I had seen her fight that December. Ramona? Ramona, at, oh. a, at a Muay Thai fight. And... And I was like, yeah, the extrovert in me, right? I'm like, yeah, like I want a piece of that. I miss, actually I miss boxing. Like that was fun, like being in the ring. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I joined the gym. And I was like, yeah, fighting something I want to do. And then Vusi, the South African Muay Thai instructor who- I was, wish he was still here. I'd love to have him on the podcast. What a character. Yeah. <laughs> what a yep. dude. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> both inside and outside of the gym. Big yeah. personality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and then he he approached me one time i'd been at epic for about three months and I'd, i was just doing like strength and conditioning and muay thai at the time and he was like kimberly you want to fight i was like yeah actually that's why i joined this gym i'd love to fight he's like okay but it's mma and that at that point it was like 2013 and the only kind of concept i'd had of mma was the early shows of UFC mm. and my understanding of, of that of like you know ultimate fighter was like I'm like oh it's the person who wants it the most that will win right. so I remember watching fights of like Bruce Leroy and just like <gasps> and it was sloppy but just like it was a brawl yeah. and I was like I know how to get nasty okay yeah. like I can <laughs> I can do that I do street <laughs> <laughs> just like international third culture kid from Hong Kong <laughs> yeah I totally do yeah, street that's me um <laughs> that's like yeah again awkward teenager right i have this chip on my shoulder yeah and um and he's like but it's mma i was like mma and he's like your blue your opponent's gonna be a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and at that point the gym was divided up so like muay thai and like fitness kind of stuff was over here jiu-jitsu had its own uh, that had other half epic, of the gym wasn't it yeah yeah and i just remember like that I just remember seeing like the pajama cuddling homoerotic stuff on the other side. I'm like, no problem. That's what she does. We're good. We're good. Little did I know. And so that was kind of my, my the start of my love affair with jujitsu. And I just didn't ex at first just like ego kept me going. And I think mm. because I was a bigger woman in Hong Kong, mm. which is a joke anywhere else in the world. I'm like, it's hard being a bigger girl in Hong Kong and wanting to compete. Oh yeah. Um, when I got back here, I was maybe like close to eighty kilos when I mm. got here, and there was no one like my size. The girl I ended up fighting, so I ended up losing like ten, eight kilos for over the course of like six months. Mm -hmm. So I moved down into my like late or uh, mid sixties. Isn't the body incredible? It's pretty awesome. I don't know how I did it either. It just sort of did it did the thing. Just just um, stopped eating. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, incredible what happens to your body right when you stop nurturing it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But the only girl that um I could fight was also like seventy something kilos and like six foot tall. 
but there's not a lot of girls out here is what I'm saying especially no. if you're um, like bigger yeah which is again a joke anywhere else in the yeah, world because we're actually quite normal sized yeah. for if we go to the UK we're like small oh, the, the US <laughs> yeah. or you look at like Tonga Samoa yeah and actually I've, I've done some jiu-jitsu competitions down the Philippines and there's some big bigger Filipino women who come oh. through come through there too Filipino jiu-jitsu is like up there yeah they're real good I think it's because they pick so many things up with their feet like they're yeah. already quite dexterous <laughs> they're already quite yeah. coordinated with using all the limbs but, but also I think I mean we see the one side of the Philippines that's especially like the service oriented like no matter where you're like hello mom like yeah. smiles and this but actually the like Philippines has a long history of gang culture right. yeah mm-hmm. and it's actually very like very aggressive mm. um like the, the gun there are lots of guns a lot there of survival over there yeah so yeah. i think any um any kind of culture that has that has that history you you see a lot more of it mm. um something that's been really interesting getting involved in martial arts and having traveled a lot sometimes asking people like what got them involved in martial mm. arts and hearing a lot of like americans saying oh, bruce lee oh yeah oh wow and that makes me so Hong Kong proud. Yeah. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's a Hong Kong guy. Yeah. The us. Yeah. <laughs> and in a t- especially when information wasn't shared as readily as it is shared now, mm. right? And that um, he had such a a huge impact on martial arts culture globally. Mm. And like so, co- it makes me, yeah, proud. Yeah, Hong Kong's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm extremely biased, but yeah. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. No. Likewise. <laughs> but hey. Bruce Lee's kick-ass. Yeah. What can you say? Yeah. There's so many things. I mean, yeah, I I love asking people what got them into jiu-jitsu. And I also love asking people, like, what has changed in them throughout their jiu-jitsu journey, like, the things that they realize. Because there's definitely a period, especially as a white belt, where you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And now I'm obsessed. Yeah. Uh, And it's in that place of being obsessed that you're like, oh, wow, like, life is like jiu-jitsu. (laughs) Or yeah. <laughs> but what are some of the ways that every lesson on the mats is a lesson in life? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you if you shell up to problems in life, then you won't actually be able to escape. You have to make space <laughs> yeah. to maneuver your way out. <laughs> Everything there, there are lessons to be learned uh, everywhere. And but yeah, no, I I remember when I first started training, I was like, yeah, I'm at the, I'm at the bottom of this mountain, and I feel like I'm climbing this mountain. And then after about six and again obsessive right I started because I had to because I'm like I can't need to be well-rounded yeah I need to have a little bit of grappling knowledge to stand like to be able to hold myself in in this fight um which was three months three months away and yeah me like you I I lost 10 kg for that but again Mm. like this tunnel vision and I think that definitely reworks your relationship with your body as, as a tool um yeah yeah i didn't even yeah i definitely think the difference say for example when i did gain weight and i was trying to lose that weight just for myself it was really difficult Mm -hmm. but as soon as i was like okay this is my body as a tool i need to put this in it and i need to put this out of it Mm -hmm. in order for this math to work Mm -hmm. became just a lot more of a healthy relation like a lot more to the point it wasn't more yeah. like oh i feel like this and oh i don't know why this and yeah yeah well it's like if i don't make the weight i can't fight yeah so this is what i gotta do <laughs> right and you just become very matter of fact about it yeah i also appreciate how comfortable jujitsu has me 
talking about like body weight and how much I weigh. Mm. Um, I gave a talk last year to uh, to a bank, and like the first thing I said, I'm like, I walk around at 71 kg, mm. right? And like I think a lot of because in a jiu-jitsu gym, you just you talk about weight so openly, right? Because mm. you, your weight class is something that you you have to be very aware of and something that you work towards or you try to like get under. Mm. Whereas a lot of the time in like female culture, like our mm. weight is like a dirty secret. Nah, don't. And you weigh yourself after you like, you go, well, I didn't eat anything too much last night and I haven't eaten anything yet today. So I'm going to weigh myself now. Yeah. Then I'm going to be the lightest possible weight. And I'll just feel really good in my yeah. mind. <laughs> because the lighter I am, the better my value. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like this weird cycle it's, as women that we get caught in. Yeah. And it's like, whereas men are like, oh, hey, chubby Rob. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, fat boy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how, how much do you weigh right now? And there's not that shame factor attached to it. Mm. Whereas women, it's like our, our social value, our personal value is so caught up in that. Mm. Right. And it's so, um, such a waste of time mm. in terms of the other things our brain could be thinking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd say that's definitely one thing, definitely gone off on a tangent, that's really helped me as a woman feel like just more comfortable in the skin I'm in mm. I remember one instructor one time being like Kim Kim get heavy get heavy mm. and I was like get heavy I was like Daniel I spent my whole life trying to get light <laughs> uh, like, all of your weight all of your weight and I'm like I don't think he can handle all, all of my weight and it's like in jiu-jitsu you're like yeah yeah I want you to feel all of me yeah and like otherwise you're gonna flip me get two points and I'm gonna be in a submissive position yeah right so it's um that's been really cool I love this um body or yeah body as a function or um what are my words i don't know for example like now i can kind of relate with this whole weight thing um and the number whereas before i was like oh god how can i get lighter how can i get skinnier how can Mm -hmm. i you know what how can i make this number smaller and now if i see it drop below a certain level i think I'm at a disadvantage if I'm ever going to fight at 61, for example, because now I'm 61 kilos. I have to go back up to 66. Whereas, you know, I was aiming for 56 kilos for a lot of my, you know, earlier adulthood. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, I must be above 66 isn't it? I feel like we all have a number as a woman. Yeah. Right? Like my, this, this number. And I remember when I was younger, I was like, once I get this weight, I'll reward myself with a tattoo. Eight stone. I have to be less than eight stone. <laughs> Was my thing in the UK. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, but, that's like unworldly, unhealthy to yeah. get to now. So now, like some something that I sometimes um, just like torture myself with, when I think about the amount of... Mm. So like I think of all thoughts as mental real estate, mm. right? I'm like, what thoughts are taking over the most real estate that I have up here? Where am I? Where am I spending my time? Because I mean, if it's not up here, it's not going to be output. Mm. And I think, God, if I hadn't spent so much time in my younger years thinking about my body and mm. thinking about what I wasn't and the things I wanted to be, just a lot of like negative. negativity Mm. what have I been thinking about Mm. like maybe I would have been thinking about like science and maybe I would have been thinking you could do more of rather than than feeling sad about myself and being like if only I had straight hair then more boys would like me oh you it's a curly hair problem you just wish that you have straight hair your entire life (laughs) and now so I'm shaving my head for Alzheimer's research and I'm like thinking about what if it grows back straight 
Mm. I'm like, no, I don't want my curly hair to stay the way it what is. What if I lose my volume? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't mind about volume. It all comes out in the gym anyway. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, Kim was here. Yeah, yeah, you just untie your ponytail and like half of it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, Mine well just not have hair. Yeah. yeah. I'll make you lighter. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Must be above. <laughs> yeah, but no, jujitsu. Jiu-Jitsu is really amazing. Have you and you're you're going back now, and you're all the gyms mm-hmm. are open. Yeah, they're very exciting. But yeah, so sorry, something I wanted to say. Like it was after about like six months, and I realized like when I when I started jujitsu, I thought that I was at the bottom of the mountain, mm. and then like six to eight months in, I realized like when I thought I was at the bottom of the mountain, I actually was just on a rock viewing the mountain. Yeah, I didn't even realize <laughs> what the mountain was, and then now that I've been training, I'm like oh, this this is jujitsu. Yeah, right. And now I'm at a point after training for a company that's been seven years being like really um comfortable with what I don't know yeah and loving that I have like enough enough skills at this point to come back and it every time I take a little break and come back it doesn't feel like I've lost so much Mm. obviously a bit of the momentum feels lost Mm. but I'm like oh no I have I have these skills that I, I can come back to that feel familiar and I remember when there was no familiarity here and so I sometimes like our, we had a our mutual friend, right, who came to Jitsu on Tuesday and I could see that she was getting like frustrated at some points because you're just moving your body in a really foreign way. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're connecting your hips to your knees and turning when they say turn this way. You're like, wait, what do you mean turn that way? My body's actually going that way. Yeah. And it's such like an push your butt that way. And it's like, but I want to go that way. Yeah. Why do I don't want my butt to go there. Wait, but turn into them means I need to push out. Like, yeah. I don't, with, it's, it's, it's really foreign yeah. and I sometimes akin it to learning a foreign language yeah. right and it takes such a long time to, to be able to say like you know cat right but and then you learn the word like you learn k a t and then you blend them together and cat you're like, oh now, now I've got the word cat mm. but you're going around and you're talking to people and all you can say is cat and in jiu-jitsu you'll meet someone who can speak like and speak in the most profound literature to you and you're just saying cat 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 and they're like and they're reading poetry and prose to you so you get frustrated because you don't understand what they're saying but you need to be so committed to a language in order to start having a conversation Mm. and I think it's exactly the same with jiu-jitsu if you just but then like let's say I don't speak that language for a long time and I come back I'm like oh at least I have my sentence structure I know this Mm. I know that I can and, and I know what words are missing whereas if all you know is cat and dog it's it's very very frustrating yeah it's quite tough yeah. Yeah. I definitely find that, and I guess, like having a break in, uh, from, from training, even though, yeah, you lose some momentum when you do come back, sometimes there's more dots connected, mm-hmm. um, like things that you couldn't really make sense of when you were in that momentum, when you were sort of actively training. When you come back, you're like, oh, that was a natural thing. Yeah. Whoa, the brain is such a funky place. Yeah, it's, it's super. Co- I feel like there's also more freedom. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, especially if you're like with a very com- competitive team and you're working on something, and you're, like, and you're working on this, 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 you become obsessed and you're like, okay, hey, I'm working like my omoplata sweep. I'm working mm. my omoplata sweep. And then you're not getting it. Things aren't quite right. And you're just getting very f- frustrated. Yeah. It stamps on your like creativity, mm-hmm. really, I find. Yeah. And then, and then, okay, I'm so obsessed with omoplata sweep. I don't even see the triangle. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then you take that break, you come back and all of a sudden you have this physical freedom and you're like, you're getting things that you weren't getting before. And you're like, oh, that's here. Mm. I was so caught up on looking at this that I forgot about like the whole view. Mm. I mean, the psychological experiment when you're 
you tell people to count how many times a ball is being passed. Mm, and then there's uh, yeah. something in the background. You don't even notice. I think it's an, a man in elephant suit. Gorilla suit. suit or yeah, gorilla. Like yeah. This. yeah. And you're like, people don't even see it, right? And our mind um, can be very fickle. Mm. Right? And I think learning to be as open as possible and jujitsu definitely is a, uh, a nice, almost like gateway drug for that because you learn if you don't. If, if you're if you're not open you're you're closing up possibilities and then you get smashed mm, yeah <laughs> if you're too sort of focused on on one thing you sort of lose sight mm. of all of the other opportunities yeah. that come with it mm, like life a hundred percent yeah what an amazing sport i mean yeah yeah but i also feel like that's where we are as as a culture people just being really way more open and accepting and i think we see that in all spectrums able like gender fluidity mm-hmm. right like how that's changed from like our generation to our parents generation the same way homosexuality was more of a thing for our parents whereas now it's just like i don't even think about a person being gay or not you don't even have to come yeah. out anymore i yeah. love it people are just like i'm seeing this dude and one of my exes from college actually um, started talking to me on like on House Party, the app, just during COVID, oh, and he's wow. like, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I've started seeing, uh, got a new boo, and I was like, oh, cool, and then he's like, I need to send you pictures, and I was like, I was like, I don't really care, but I was like, I was like, okay, then he sent me pictures of him and like another man, and I was like, oh, that, what a lovely way to come out to me, it's just so <laughs> nonchalant, and I love the fact that there isn't that no, barrier. Yeah, yeah, there's no like taboo around it it just is so that yeah there's that there's gender fluidity i think um even something like the joe rogan podcast Mm. where he's very much he embraces a culture of curiosity right he brings out on a huge spectrum of of guests and just like curious about their way of thinking how they got to where they are Mm. and it's and sometimes having two very polarized people on as well yeah and I mean, he has the most, uh, what was that, $11 million Spotify deal? $100 million something. Mental, right? And so, but that's, and that, like the people that I know who listen to him, it's anywhere from like my godfather, who is a, uh, a New York Jew, who's like super conservative, and but, but loves the kind of like intellectual yeah, um, discussions that he has yeah. with people. And, and, and they, are, they have disagreements as well. And they yeah. have, um, yeah, it's really good. To the MMA community, who some of them haven't even like, most haven't gone to college and most are like battled through high school Mm. so it's like he's got this huge scope of audience and he's encouraging this curiosity this culture of curiosity and yes i think it's a really cool time and nothing is um nothing certain Mm. right we we question everything um but then i guess i'm also finding a loophole where we also have a lot of polarization Uh uh-huh so yeah i wonder that's a bit of a a juxtaposition. <laughs> no. I mean, there definitely is a heightened, um, what's the word? Drive to be more introspective mm-hmm. and more focused on like holistic wellness in mm-hmm. the workplace, in your social lives. Like people are way more conscious of how all of these things are affected by each other. For sure. And, yeah. then, and then the smart people are monetizing it. And then, yeah. <laughs> how do or we the, sell wellness? Yeah, exactly. How do we... <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, do we, uh, how do we profit from this? Girl, like it's I Hong went... Hong Kong now, isn't it? Or cities. Yeah, well, uh, capitalism. I went to a talk that was like, yeah, yeah, wellness, this, this, this. And so I went to this talk and it was yeah, we, we do these tests on you to see if you have a genetic predisposition for Alzheimer's and dementia. 
I mean, the average life expectancy now is 80. We all have a genetic predisposition yeah. for Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, unless you know, neither of your parents have had Alzheimer's or dementia which uh, is in ex- their family, which is very rare. But very rare, right? And I think, um, and especially now with everything, just the amount of input that's happening to us as we go through our, our development, that the stressors and our diet change, right? So it's, yeah, very unusual. Um, but then eventually, like, these people that I thought the talk was about wellness, and they really just wanted you to spend, like, 10,000 US dollars for a weekend down in Thailand at their retreat. What? To help you. Uh, it, their retreat was an antidote to everything that they had been talking about. I was like, ah. Oh. That's what this talk is. Oh no! For it to be that blatant as well, you gotta just feel like, oh okay. Yeah. It so kind it, of devalues uh, whatever the content was before the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's um. So I think yeah, being a very like conscious consumer, mm. right? And I think being aware of like greenwashing and wellness washing, mm. and like what is, like I'm even conscious now. I feel like, oh yeah, try this supplement. I'm like, who's selling it? Yeah. <laughs> Where does it come from? I'm not big on supplements generally just because there's just so many things that you need to look out for to have oh. reliable yeah. sources. And, and like, oh, you need to have more creatine. You need to have more protein. You need to have more of this. I'm just like, well, I mean, as a species, we've, as a species, we've made it this far without like without any additional stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I only think it's necessary if you're like, uh, like a, a full-blown athlete if you're training three maybe four times a day Mm -hmm. then yeah supplement because you need to supplement for recovery because you're not going to get it from food alone but if you're just training like a couple hours a day um a few times a week i don't know if it's really necessary unless you've got like chronic stress or a quite a bad diet i don't know if it's fully necessary to supplement as much as i feel people are going about it now yeah it is like if you're not supplementing, you're not taking care of yourself. You need to take that. Yeah, I think if uh. you have unhuman expectations of you, like professional athletes do, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at like Premiership League football players who are mm-hmm. playing just so many football games in a week or a month, that's an unhuman expectation like physically. Mm-hmm. So you need to be having like unhuman supplements. Absolutely, yeah. Right, but if you're just an average average gal. Yeah. <laughs> or like, guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> average human. No, no need. It's um, th- there's no unhuman expectation of what your body should be should be doing, mm. right? And especially if you're just lifting your body weight, you should that sh- that's a very human expectation mm-hmm. of what your body should do. Um, seg- segues me into when we're talking about like fitness and our relationship with our our body, and for me thinking about like what fitness means to me. Mm. My new mantra is like, I should be able to like run for my life. Like if my if as an able bodied person, like if I can't run for my life, I'm doing myself a physical injustice. Mm, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the bare minimum. Yeah. Right. And um, because there are lots of people I know who look physically healthy, mm-hmm. but I know they can't run for their lives. <laughs> I'd catch you in like a hundred meters and you yeah. die. Right. Like <laughs> you should be able to like get out of harm's way. Yeah. Or then like let's say you you are caught in harm's way. Like how do you can you protect yourself? Yeah. Right. I think that's um. To me, that's the bare minimum now. It's rather than like I mean, we looking don't have, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do not have nearly as many things to worry about now in terms of like predators, um, like vicious weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we need all of that kind of conditioning anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it's running is at least one of the things that we've done for the longest. Mm-hmm. So 
be good to run for your life. Yeah, or yeah. Even, but let's say like um, if we take a privilege gap, like you're on the beach somewhere in Thailand and you see a tsunami, like you, you see the water go out. Ain't no one running away from a tsunami, girl. Jeez. <laughs> but you better be able to oh run fast, though, right? You better be able to like at least try to help yourself. Yeah. Right, rather than not being able to yeah. to do anything and just like sitting there and watching your fate becometh you. Yeah, oh. that's that's one of the things that um, martial arts has helped me with is. Uh, I tend to get quite paralyzed when I get anxious or confronted with things. Mm. So that's um, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a freeze. <laughs> I'm a freeze some of the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that has improved over mm. the last fucking hell six years, five six years. So is that just through repeated exposure? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just practice, I guess. Mm. And then any time that you're being smothered, for me, that was one of the hardest things in jiu-jitsu. Because uh, when I started, I, I missed competition. I was very competitive in school with sports. Um, and I did a lot of performing. Mm. So I was like, I need this fix in my life um, as an adult because there's something just missing there. So then, um, where was I going with this? Um, is it, has a caffeine taken over? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Winston's Coffee, for the caffeine fix. Um, was I going to M- martial arts helping martial you with arts. adrenaline? Yeah. So um, I had quite um, big, uh, quite a few issues with personal space. Like uh, I think You're growing up in Hong Kong, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't like it. I, I don't know what it was. Um, I didn't like people like, el- like touch up up against me that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really maintain eye contact very well. Um, I think it's just confidence, self self esteem mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like always as a child, or that developed as a teenager? Uh, I guess as a child, I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> Just like a few, but um, yeah. So when I started jujitsu, as much as I like rolling around and like being on my back and going upside down and things like this, um, being smothered was something that I really struggled with, um, and like creating that space for me was something that I would be like, oh, I'm gonna cry. Please get off me now. I'm just gonna tap. They're like, why are you tapping? I'm like, I can't breathe. They're like, it's because you need to move. You need to do something. You can't just lie there. But that's how I deal with all my problems. <laughs> Interesting. Whereas like my response, let's say like I'm when you say smothered, I'm imagining like side control. Yes. <laughs> that was my oh my gosh, the side number control. of tears from side face. control. See, whereas yeah, I, I start to get like angry and frustrated at myself. Like, Kim, how do we let it, how yeah. do we let the position get here? We we should we should be better than this. Yeah, you're always here. You should know how to get out of this yeah. thing. And it's a really, really negative self talk. Yes. Which is I'm like you can't coach yourself like that. No. Right. And um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I've I've cried at jujitsu yeah. many times. Um, and it's more just like being that kind of frustration with yourself. Yeah. And I think learning to let go of that and being like, who do I think I am? Yeah. And like, I think <laughs> that I shouldn't be in this position. Like, what do I think? I'm like God's gift to the sport. Yeah. Um, I'm better than this. <laughs> yeah. Like says who? It's like, well, obviously we got here and it's like, and I always, I remind myself, like, there's no podium after class. Mm. And I go through episodes where I'm like, there's nothing more important in life than being really good at jiu-jitsu. <laughs> and other episodes where I'm like, there's so much more to life than jiu-jitsu, mm. right? And, um, and just managing that, that relationship. And it's, yeah. I guess the one bad thing about jiu-jitsu is that it's really taxing on your body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like backs are sore, necks Neck, are sore. Oh my God, today. Um, backs, necks, knees. Mm-hmm. 
Shoulders. Hands, fingers, yeah. shoulders. Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, given up my hand modeling career. You, you got a wonky finger. Yeah, so this is my, my marriage oh. finger. So I'm like married to jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. I take thy potato. Yeah, so this snapped back in like in nogi and then it snapped back since then. But the doctor said there's nothing wrong. Fingers are weird. Mine are all ballooned now. Yeah. Um, and then just kettlebell stuff on the insides. Mm-hmm. And these, are hands, hands. these are hands that work hard, though. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I feel weird when I see people with like soft hands like what do those hands do i sometimes shake hands with people and i've always been told firm handshakes are good and i (laughs) i've shaked hands with women and just been like whoa your hand is so tiny and so frail (laughs) like very nice to meet you sorry if i hurt your hand yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah I, i can't remember if it was like aristotle who said like what a great um like if to not push your body and mind to the extent that it can be pushed like what a great tragedy i'm obviously paraphrasing the great aristotle but yeah like i sometimes feel sad when people don't Mm. don't push themselves to see what they're capable of like lost potential Mm. i sometimes find um like i've definitely spoken to people that are like either really angry or really sensitive or like really fearful and i just (laughs) where are you meeting these people well <laughs> fucking Hong Kong man. <laughs> but um and then I sort of look at you know what what's your outlet like what do you do for fun mm-hmm. and they're like oh I see my friends like what's your physical outlet like how do you I sometimes think the thing that they miss in their lives because they can have a great social life a great work life a great family life but then I'm like you're not using your body you're detached you're even though you're connected to everything else around you you're disconnected to the one thing that you really truly is yours Mm -hmm. which is your body yeah but i'd say that's even like your mind as well Mm. um and to think of like solitude like solitude so i know we're talking like introversion extroversion Mm. but i think no matter who you are there has to be like solitude can you sit alone with yourself can you enter like that state of flow where there is no other input other than you and your activity Mm. and that's really beautiful and i think something that's been really interesting during like quarantine I just saw this funny meme where like oh quarantine well like what a, or lockdown what a beautiful opportunity to get to know yourself better and instead people bake bread yeah i saw this <laughs> yeah. i saw this and it's like we sometimes we're so alone to so afraid to, to be alone like can mm. you sit without listening to a podcast can you go take yourself to dinner and not worry that you look weird and, and be alone with yourself mm. oh, solo dinners are yeah, and, and whether that be like with with sport, right? And it's just you doing that thing, and there's zero attachment to, like, a, a podcast, a voice, or, or that, that kind of social verbal interaction, mm. or even like an arts and crafts activity. Because mm. I get that not everyone needs that kind of adrenaline push, but mm. just something where it's a little creative. Yeah, solitude. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny, like I've. I've gotten, so I had someone ask me f- for a coloring book for their birthday, an adult. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really lovely. And I'm like, great. If you want to be more creative and you just want to color, I'll get you that coloring book and some like, nice pencils. Someone got me a coloring book for my birthday once. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> I haven't got a coloring yeah. book since I was single digits. Yeah. But I got one for this person. And um, three Christmases have gone by. And I'm like, the following Christmas after this mm-hmm. first coloring book, I thought, have you done any coloring? I'm like, no. I'm like, why? 
What are you, what are you, what are you doing at home? Oh, just other stuff. <laughs> it's like, what are you coloring book and like really nice pencils? You should use them. Running like, miles with my thumb. Yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Or just yeah. like watching TV or something like this, but I don't know. I think it would be different if there was a, oh, let's color together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of get what you, what you mean. Um, but it makes me think about, didn't you write a thesis about um, float tanks? Yeah, I wrote, what is the subjective experience inside sensory deprivation tanks? What, and with everything in mind, like we've been talking mm-hmm. about introverts and extroverts, how do you think that experience would differ for both of these people? Mm. And then I want to know more about what you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... What I found interesting, I did a phenomenological study, which is just, yeah, again, studying the phenomena. I go in with a set amount of questions and, like, unpack. Each interview was around, like, one hour. And, um, like, English people who were able to adequately express themselves in English. And so I'd say it was, yeah, interesting research um, in terms of introverts and extroverts. I don't know if there would be a... Um, a significant dif- difference there because it the only people that I was able to research I couldn't say like oh we're going to be doing this kind of study and like I was researching people who were already choosing to go there oh, okay and so it's people who've already chosen to enter that kind of experience mm-hmm. um which is interesting because when sensory deprivations first started it was actually a form of torture developed by the cia oh (laughs) right and so i think there's a very uh there's a very distinct difference between choosing a certain experience and having a certain experience forced onto you yeah right and um just how that sets that that mental frame Mm. uh i made my mom go floating and she really she didn't enjoy it okay right but i can't interview my mom for my dissertation research um (laughs) damn yeah (laughs) but yeah it's uh a phenomenal tool I think it's anything that gets your body and your mind to that state of relaxation is fantastic in a world where people are people buy buy our, our attention right mm. people buy our data they buy our attention and there's so much in the world that is anxiety provoking such as the notifications on your phone mm-hmm. right and you know like our we never truly disconnect to anything these days I even notice like the first thing I touch in the in the morning is my phone. Yeah. And the first thing I touch before I go to bed is my phone. I'm like, what a sad life I live. But I know I'm not alone in that kind of attachment to technology. Mm-hmm. And even now, like when you leave the phone, when you leave the house without your phone, it's almost like phantom limb. Mm. Right? You're like, where's my, where's my phone? Mm. Right? Like you, you get agitated. You're like, well, I need to check my phone. Yeah. Like, how are people getting by with their life without being able to connect to me? Yeah. How am I, how am I living? Right? So I think, how am I going to check the time? Yeah. So I think that's, <laughs> how am I going to time my races? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really cool about the sensory deprivation tanks. But obviously you can get that kind of detachment from like sports or other things. But what the tank allows you to do, so sensory deprivation tanks are filled with 500 kilograms of Epsom salt. Mm. So that's more buoyancy than the Dead Sea. Mm. And the temperature of the water is regulated to your body temperature so it's around like 36 to 37 degrees celsius it's like a womb exactly (laughs) um and so you're but sometimes you'll be you'll be floating and you kind of forget about the water Mm. so it just feels like you're you're floating in space Mm. and um so all parts of our brain that are normally like switched and turned on are like are regulated Mm. so it's like okay our sense of touch is kind of gone yeah 
so then we the part of our brain that there is a lot of neural connection and there is a lot of activity is a part of our brain which is geared up for introspection mm. and so now all of a sudden you see the monkey mind go and I saw a very clear dis- uh, distinction between people who already had an active like meditation practice mm-hmm. and people who hadn't. Mm. And I feel like there needs to be a little bit of coaching before you go into a flotation tank. Yeah, how to manage the thoughts yeah. and uh, what to expect. And and, and and what happens when you follow them versus what happens when you try to separate yourself from them. Mm. Right? Um, because people who were comfortable separating themselves from them had much more of like an out-of-body experience. Whereas people who didn't, weren't aware of like that kind of monkey mind or that chatter we just go like you know down down the the rabbit hole of mm. just like chat, just chat, come chat. out like <gasps> frazzled like, i really didn't enjoy that and there was this one woman she was like she's like i spent one hour just going back and forth in the tank she's like if you could have seen my body she's like pushing from side to side oh, like gosh. it was a swimming pool <laughs> like yeah. oh like um those the marine world whales <laughs> just like yeah. please get me out of this or like thought a, chamber yeah, or like a sea monkey <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah so i mean also it's obviously great for athletic like muscle recovery because there's so yeah. much magnesium sulfate that's there and osmosis is the easiest way for us to absorb it rather than orally oh yeah of course yeah so it's very good for, good for your muscles what, what goes on in so you know when you sleep your brain there's like different stages and your Mm -hmm. brain is doing different things at those different stages Mm -hmm. and it's like best kind of stage it is like flushing out all of the proteins and all of the stuff that build up in your brain throughout the day Mm -hmm. do you know if floating has any like similar qualities or Mm -hmm. potential to yeah allow for brain repair (laughs) so um the issue when you do research with sensory deprivation tanks is how much you can monitor the brain in a wet area yeah right so whereas like when you do sleep studies you can put the little electric little nodes yeah on and then you just monitor someone sleeping so that's why a lot of much more of the research is done like before and after effects but they have found that like theta brain waves which Mm. are supposed to do with more uh are related to more creativity and they even timed people like doing a puzzle Mm. and how fast people can do a puzzle like after floating versus if they haven't been floating oh wow and they also looked at um musicians and so like musicians who went through like a six-week period of floating versus musicians who didn't and how other students rated their music Mm. right and they so they do see developments in like creativity and there's been an interesting group of studies in terms of people who will float and then they'll have a therapy session right and like after you float there's just much more openness people are but I think it's also being more relaxed right mm. and most of the time our bodies aren't relaxed we're so ready to respond to things mm. um like chronic chronic cortisol levels right and just people just all, always on edge and I think floating just They've also looked in a, a meta-analysis of different forms of relaxation, like hypnotherapy being one of them, like massage, and no other, um, and yeah, flotation tanks help you get into that relaxed state mm. much easier than than other forms of relaxation. That's really interesting. And that is the one which is purely solitary in the sense. Yeah. Because other I've, relaxation techniques, you've got someone there implementing your relaxation. Mm-hmm. Or, or guide guiding, guiding you. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is deep breaths, Ashley. Yeah, <laughs> in out. Feel yeah. your toes. Yeah, and your ankles. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Send the breath to the back of your back. 
yes. Let yeah. the thoughts pass like a cloud. It's a yeah, big industry though, right? Um, in terms of, it's just, it's, it's funny or just, it's interesting again to how people are, there's this wave of like pop culture and like getting back to relaxation, like mindfulness, this and coming back, coming back home to ourselves and in everything that society has tried to create and push us towards. Um, are you familiar with, not Sam Harris, Chris Ryan who wrote like Sex Before, Sex at Dawn and he's um, got a new book or came out within the last year, uh, Civilized to Death. Mm. And just how our current culture is is killing us, mm. right? And I think it's it's really easy to to lose sight of what's important and um, and to live like this really stressed out life. Uh, but actually, just taking things back to our our natural physical state, our natural mental mm. state is uh, ironically it's work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ironically, but it's uh, it's definitely worth doing. Oh, 100%. Yeah, right? for that, sure. I think that, that freedom of mind that we're talking about with jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Right? And I think just opening up your brain to as many possibilities as possible and just like seeing opportunity where it could be seen as um, a wall. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, and that's also actually my working definition of positive mental health. Hmm. Right? It's like how many, can you entertain a reframe? Are you able to see like another perspective from an emotionally detached point of view? Mm. Right. Because they're like, well, I can't see what they, what they think. Mm. It's like, well, can you see what they think without the anger? And even um, if we translate it to jujitsu, <laughs> if you are angry, if you are emotional, it's harder for you to react to things and get out of things as effectively than if you were just like receiving and reacting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I th- and I think anytime you start narrating your experience, yeah. especially rather than like being in the experience, you put yourself in like a one second, you're, you're now one second behind your opponent. Mm-hmm. Right? So now whose game are you playing? Mm-hmm. Right. Rather than responding to the situation. It's also something that I talk about in therapy, like reaction versus response. Mm. Right? Like, are you reacting to what's happening or are you responding to the situation? Mm. Because when we react, we have like our knee-jerk reactions, right? And it's rather than like responding to the dynamic between you and me and being able to take myself out of the content and look at the context. Yeah. Just like jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there are all these parallels. Yeah. There are. There really are. But do you find that you have a bias when people talk about how great their martial art is? Like, oh, yeah, there's so many lessons from Taekwondo. And I'm like, mm, are there? Uh, me and Michael often have many disputes as to which, uh, like, how boxing isn't as valuable as jujitsu, for example, or jujitsu is much better than Wing Chun, like, undeniably. Yeah. I had uh. a few people try to, like, bring me to their Wing Chun class. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go. I'm like, it is. I'm married to jiu-jitsu. Don't make is, me cheat. It is good in the sense that there are transferable principles, but in terms of like actual practical combat, mm-hmm. I think you're better off. Um, what about like, just like funsies? Wing Chun just doesn't look as fun to me as jiu-jitsu is. Uh, the vibe in Wing Chun, like with jiu-jitsu, I find that the vibe is quite playful. Like if mm-hmm. you sort of fall over, you can have a little giggle. Or if you like, oh, get your grips wrong. You're like, oh, grab your boob or something like this, an accident. What's happened to me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was pure accident, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, but you grabbing uh, someone's boob or someone grabbing someone your boob? Someone grabbed my, oh, to okay. grab my lapel and then uh. just fell on to go grab my boob. <laughs> but it was fine. It was an, it was an accident. Um, but it's a lot more playful because the Wing Chun classes that I've been to years ago, I'd be like, oh, so I have to do this. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay. Ha, ha, ha. And they're like, 
And I'm like, oh God, this is really awkward. Mm-hmm. Like not my kind of um, playful vibe at all. Had to tone it down quite a lot. Oh, yeah. But maybe there are other practices out there that are a bit more jovial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like to me, um, there's so much about life that is serious. So it's like, am I, if I'm not having fun, what's the point with something like sports at mm. this point? When I first started jiu-jitsu, I wanted my goal. I'm like, I'm going to be world champion. Like, this is the goal. This is this. And I'm just like, maybe one day, or like, uh, I mean, I'm a master now. uh, And master's age category, not master's in terms of technique. I'm a master now, she says. I just want to clarify (laughs) that. Um, In terms of like age category and what I can compete in. And I've I've been injured so much now that like, I I don't want to get injured. I'm not, I don't do this professionally. I dabbled in professionalism for a little bit. But now my my uh my life is just i've made a very conscious decision made a a different curve and i don't want to get injured like i want to have fun i want to be able to use my body for as long as possible my mum was a competitive athlete or or, and actually is a competitive athlete in squash and she used to do field hockey and um she had meniscus surgery and then the past like couple of she had the surgery about two months ago and then she had like this little walking stick and it for me that was a really big eye opener. I'm like, yeah, this is the body that I'm gonna have until I'm like, I mean, I'm aiming for like 70, 80, right? For 90, working out 90, 100 for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, so what's like? I'm like, how much wear and tear do I want to put on it if I want to be able to walk around with my family when I'm 60 and not have to use a walking stick, mm. right? And it's like, so what? What am I doing to it? And so that that's evolved my relationship with jiu-jitsu thinking about like injury prevention and like mm. how much I love the sport and my goal is to like you know become a black belt one day if I have kids for that to be the gift that I share with them yeah and be able to like I want to play with them yeah right and I want to be able to have as much functionality for as as long as possible yeah so it's like I'm, am I gonna hurt myself am I gonna train as if I'm a world champion probably no, not no. so that you can have this yeah longer yeah have have this tool for longer life so so i'll tap I'll, and sometimes people oh, will, people i didn't have it i'm like did you have to like, yeah i don't my, need yeah. my arm was like up here bro like did, <laughs> how much more did you want me to give you <laughs> like a tap yeah i'm a premature tapper as well i just <laughs> do not want to get injured yeah yeah so I, um, someone took in Shanghai, I was training at Absolute MMA and this guy, like nice guy, like white belt, but ex-Marine and just like didn't realize how strong he was, took my back and like just squeezed me really hard and my chest cavity went Ooh. And, I like, and I felt like I was going to vomit. I ended up going to hospital and having that like sorted out with like my rib. Did he pop a rib? No, he didn't pop a rib, but like that's how I found out I've got like lung damage for like who knows what that is. But um, but it was just like so scary. So at yeah. this point, I'm like, especially when I when I'm introducing like women to the sport and when I get to work with women, and sometimes I see women who are like smaller, right? And I also really respect the difference between testosterone power and estrogen power. Mm. Testosterone is no joke. Uh, martial arts has really made me respect the strength that men have mm-hmm. and being like especially it came from a weightlifting background and i think like, i can lift just as much as men but i cannot punch as hard no right because when testosterone takes over like get out of the way um and so when i'm working with women and they're like i'll work like i always say i'm like if there's someone that you don't feel comfortable rolling with and like just, just say don't. no yeah right because i'm like what's what's the oh i'll train with anyone i'm like you don't have to no you don't have to yeah like, i'm and it can be a bit uncomfortable. Like I've definitely said to people, "Oh no, sorry, I'm I'm gonna 
this is the thing. I don't say, I don't want to roll with you. I'll say, I'm going to miss this round mm -hmm. because I don't want to roll with you. And then if someone's like, if someone else is free, I'll be like, are you free? <laughs> and I'll just go with them, which yeah. isn't great, but it's sort of, you know, what you have to do because you do get ego come into play. You do get testosterone come into play. But I also think that sometimes it's not, it's not even malicious. No. It's just like just being unself-aware. A natural response in some yeah. ways, like a biological yeah. reaction. Especially as a as a purple belt, I sometimes see got, like white belt guys be like, I can take her. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, you can. That's not, as soon as you got a color belt on, I think as a girl, any white belt that is a guy is like, mm -hmm. I'm coming for you. Yeah. And you're like, bitch, why? <laughs> I'm just a girl. Or sometimes I'll notice, um, like men will it'll start as like a nice like a nice pace and then they feel your um, strength yeah they feel the grip and they're like and it's testosterone takes over mm -hmm. right and i'm like oh okay i see what we're working with here mm -hmm. um so then sometimes like i'll purposely slow it down and then th that will be things like well i didn't have it mm -hmm. like well you did right like i've been in this position enough to know that where this is going yeah, yeah. and it sometimes it's like me seeing stars um so it's like I, <laughs> i'd rather not do that yeah I and i i want to be able to feel my shoulder tomorrow yeah i yeah. i just yeah honestly being self-aware emotionally and physically huge benefits mm -hmm. and jiu-jitsu really forces you to be in touch with yourself mm -hmm. and to be aware that you are the only one responsible for managing those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, yeah, jujitsu is a beautiful equalizer, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't hide. Um, and the only thing that matters in jujitsu is your level of jujitsu. Do you still box? No. Why? Um, I, I watched, uh, brain damage videos oh. in terms of when I was in my final year of my doctorate program and just like seeing the brain and seeing what impact does to the brain mm. and seeing dementia and just neural connection. <laughs> it's really scary. Disappearing. Um, and I was like, ooh, I have at this point, I've invested so much time and money in everything from the neck up and braces are expensive. Braces oh. are expensive. <laughs> um, yep, yep, yep. And I was like, it's not, um, not worth it. So I'll, I'll go to like a boxing class where there's no, where there's no impact to my head or face but at this point it's um for me not something that i i see value in for my my physical health boxing is the worst martial arts for brain, brain damage, damage because mm -hmm. it is just all the shots to the head and the body yeah. so sometimes now when i like my enjoyment in mma has decreased a little bit mm. because i feel sad mm. I, f I feel sad for these fighters i'm like that's so much damage to your brain mm. but you never know right you never know how much damage you are doing until it's done well what a fun game to play yeah <laughs> russian one likes to gamble <laughs> <laughs> russian roulette with my mental faculties that yeah. controls absolutely everything that i'm capable of doing yeah let's see what the dice rolls let's see yeah, I mean, you've got you've got the will in you to direct it in the way that is more ideal. But yeah, I mean, ho hopefully, right? Yeah, so it's just for me not worth. And jujitsu is so I made a very conscious decision after 2015, after that the fight here, because there were um, 
I think MMA was like just building up and things were getting like things were getting sexy. Whereas before this, I feel like MMA wasn't as cool or publicly accessible as it is now. And um, so a few like fight offers coming through and like these opportunities like in Guam and China and the US. But I was also in my uh, first or second year of my doctorate program mm. and I was trying to do it all. And then I had a really bad burnout uh, and became like when you say no one was, was inviting me to things. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't invited to anything because <laughs> I, pu- I would just say no. And it was yeah. almost like this badge of honor that I wore. Like I'm on this path. No one understands me. Mm. Um, like because this is the life of a warrior. <laughs> Solitary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Focused. <laughs> this is the life of someone who has a chip on their shoulder and they feel like they have something to prove. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that, like I think that fight was a really big turning point also because of the way like media was and although I was getting these cool fight offers I wasn't getting like this media accolade that I mm. actually secretly being an extrovert I wanted um, and that was hard for me to sit with and, but then it was also the same year that Ronda Rousey lost to Holly Holm mm. and she had I'd kind of been like not idolizing but like looking up to her right I think we all need mentors all need people who are paving our way yeah yeah. and you're like and i think it's cool and that's why i think actually visibility and representation of media is extremely important because when you see people you're like wait i could do that too Mm. why not me too Mm. and i think that why not me too attitude is a really good catalyst for um pushing you in a a positive direction capacities or capabilities yeah Yeah. so that's why sometimes they're like oh why why is there like the rainbow of you know humanity in this movie i'm like because people from every culture need someone to look up to Mm. right the same way Zhang li wei has just has pioneered it for female martial arts Lee, thank you okay um fact check that uh for for chinese martial artists and the mma scene in china Mm. right and i think that visibility is so important um but yeah, so when Wonder when Ronda Rousey lost, it was a really good reflection point for me because I'm like, oh wait, and she got all that this negative game is media. Evolving. Yeah, and also like, wait, so you you make it to the top, and someone's just looking to like kick you down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then what? So let's say I achieved that goal, what what would I do after that? And I realized I hadn't really thought about what I would do after that and the longevity of the goal that I was pursuing, and. So having to like brainstorm that and reprioritize where I wanted my life to go in the next mm. five, ten years. Um, mean, me make a very conscious decision and jiu-jitsu is my, I call it my happy compromise. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a way that I'm still involved in martial arts because it's a relationship that I see myself having in it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but without the, for me, MMA was, felt like pressure. A pressure to succeed, pressure to evolve, pressure to compete. Mm. Pressure and to not die. Yeah, whereas <laughs> jiu-jitsu is now like this beautiful hobby that I can I can either some days I'm like 110% in. I'm like, okay, well, what competitions am I going to do this year mm. um, around like Southeast Asia or Mundials? Um, or jiu-jitsu can just be like, this is my 60 minutes today where I get a flow. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Just not getting smashed. The relationship evolves depending like where, where you're at and what you want from it, which I think is super cool. Mm. Yeah, I think it's super cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what next? <laughs> we'll see. I think the world's putting us all on a different timeline, right? Mm. Um, and I, but I, I do feel like 
just having having yeah spent the last six months in Shanghai, seeing how the UFC and the Performance Institute there is developing, seeing how jiu-jitsu is developing there, and like you say, like Philippines is evolving. Um, again, bias, but I think now is a really cool time to be like Asian focused mm -hmm. and just like see how things are going to develop here. I sense that there are going to be more competitions, especially as travel is going to be much more localized. Yeah, I mean, God knows what's going to happen in the next year or within the year in terms of travel. Yeah, I'm like, in no rush to go to the US. Yeah, I'm in no rush to go long haul. Maybe the UK I'd like to go maybe for Christmas. Mm -hmm. But it would be really interesting to see how that changes especially mm -hmm. for people like you know like Ramona for example she's got to go up to China and live there but she's on a, an American passport so they're not allowing foreigners in there's like even in even people that work in gyms uh, like black belts that are working or running gyms in Shenzhen yeah. have been asked to leave I'll go yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mad they're, yeah. they're I mean technically they're refugees yeah technically I think what's also going to be interesting is a strange privilege gap we're going to see with travel because mm. you're like, okay, hey, yeah, I can go here, but then it means I'm going to have to be in quarantine for two weeks here, here, here. Mm. Who can afford two weeks quarantine in a hotel? Yeah, exactly. Right? So, and then just like different kinds of like, well, do I want to be perhaps go to hospital in Bali? I don't know. Right. So it's like di different questions, <laughs> <laughs> different questions people are going to have to start asking themselves when it comes to travel. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I, I, my hope is that it means that more things do become more localized. And mm. it's like, okay, well, we can't travel for that. How do we create that here? Mm. And now as even like our relationship with home evolved through quarantine, like home used to be where we went for refuge. Now home became where we created things. Mm. Right? And I hope that now a city used to be just where we worked. And now I hope our city is where we decide to create things here. Mm. Right? And it's... um Again, opportunity. We have to be able to see like jiu-jitsu. Like where's the opportunity here? Mm. If there's negative, yeah, there to has it. to be positive on the outside, right? It's the two exist in tandem. Yeah. How would you see... How would you sort of see it un unraveling at this point? The jiu-jitsu martial arts scene? Or <laughs> life in general? Life in general. <laughs> That's it. I, f I didn't bring my tea leaves and my magic able, Ashley. I know you can't predict I the can't. future for me. Oh, <laughs> if only I'd known. But, but maybe if you give me your palm. Maybe we can look into the Winston's <laughs> coffee and you'll be able to see what patterns it Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> you'd be surprised the amount of people when I tell them I'm a psychologist. They're like, can you read my mind? I was like, Th that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how therapy works. But if works. you tell me a little bit about your mom and dad, I might be able to start from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your parents. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't know how the th um, how life's going to evolve. I, being an optimist, I hope I hope for the best. Mm. Um, especially when it comes to what's happening in Hong Kong, but um, and I, some uh, something that's interesting that I see sometimes in therapy when people have a long period of introspection like like we've just gone through mm -hmm. there's this fear that we're going to go back to how things were mm -hmm. and so I had one patient I was working with last week and they were like well you know what if what if I go back to how I was last year you know like x y and z was happening this 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 and I've spent so much time on myself like mm -hmm. what if what if I just go back and I'm like well knowing what you know now how could you ever go back mm. and I think you literally have the tools to take you forward. Mm -hmm. And I think so for all of us <laughs> to, re to remember, 
because it's really easy to forget, right? It's really easy for us to forget pain and suffering because we're so busy with what's like, things keep us busy Mm. and things like fight for our attention so much, right? And we become inundated with Mm. clicks Mm. and things like that and like the fuzzies. So I think, I guess rather than predicting what's gonna happen in the next couple of months, like my hope is that we we choose to remember this period of introspection that we've had Mm. and we choose to remember the lessons that have been learned and we, and we carry those with us very consciously. Mm, I think it'd be really interesting to see because it's definitely a mass feeling. I think this, this period of introspection, it has happened on a mass scale. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see how businesses demand or what they demand from the people working in them when all of these people have gone through this like period of introspection and period of realizing I can just do all this stuff at home. Why the fuck do I need mm-hmm. to be here when I'm way more productive over there? Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see how that unravels and how everyone copes with it. Because um, I don't have a boss. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Most people do that. Yeah, but most people <laughs> do. So I've yeah, it'd be really yeah. curious. We'll see. Yeah, we shall see. And what's going on with Kim then in the next few? You've done a few podcasts about all kinds of things. Is there yeah. anything in the pipeline that we can look forward to, hear about, um, know about, you want to promote? Um, my plug, my plug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm working on, um, I'm actually working on some cards and like how to have difficult conversations. Hmm. And so they are, again, this is a project up in the running. But something that I've noticed is that a lot of the time people want to have these conversations, but they don't know how, whether that be like with children or their partners. So I'm working with a graphic designer to create a, a soft version and a hard version of uh, difficult conversation cards. Hmm. And a lot of the time, like with, with a feelings wheel as well, because you'd be surprised the amount of oh, time. You put that up on Instagram today. Yeah. Ah. A lot of the time in therapy, I'll ask people like, I'm like, how do you feel? And they're like, well, you know, when Sally said this, mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to ask. Okay. Again. But, um, how do, how do you feel? Or I get met with like silence and it, it involves a lot of thinking. Mm. And so one of my professional goals is to make people more emotionally literate. Yes. And, but a lot of the time, how do you know how you feel if you don't have the if words? Have, yeah. So mm-hmm. instead we have behavior, like alcoholism, right? <laughs> um, because behavior replaces communication when we don't have the words. So yeah, that's a project I'm working on. So like watch this space. But I, oh. I tend to update my website relatively regularly. And my Which is? Dr. Dr. Kimberly Carter. I'm not going to spell it out for people, but yeah. we'll, we'll KimberlyCarter.com. Yeah. And then I also keep my uh, Instagram updated in psych with Dr. Kim. Um, but yeah, just trying to get the, the ball running and work on advocacy because it's, yeah, that's where I feel like the the, the work needs to be done and mm. de um, destigmatizing therapy mm. and making therapy seem like something that you do because you're hopeful for the future mm. rather than something that you do. You want to be elevated, not because yeah. you're broken. I've got a problem. It's like yeah. no, no. You care about the future, yeah. right? Like you're you're being solution focused. Yes, um, and that's what. Yeah, one of my personal and professional goals. Love it. Guys, go get therapized by Kim. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for letting us in. No, thank you for us having your me. Journeys yeah. um, and like loads of knowledge bombs today, um, much appreciate. 
Of course. Yeah. Of course. So insight, Dr. Kim. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Thank, thank you, you for your time. Thank you. And thank you for the coffee. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Kim Cardner. Um, loads of knowledge bombs here about personal growth, dealing with adversity in the moment, responding and not reacting to things um, in relation to sports. Yeah. So, um, like yeah. Give you a high five. Ah! I <laughs> uh, hope you guys like it, and um, we will see you again next time. Thank you to Be Frank for this lovely roof over our heads. Um, as you can see, this space is full of creativity, which is also sort of the topic of today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, come on by, give them support, give them some love, because they are, you know, they're fucking awesome. Oh, can I say that? They're really awesome, and they're in Kennedy Town. So, support thanks. local, support your local businesses. Ha, 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 ha.